Thank you, Carrie, for reading this morning. Writing about growing into fulfillment, the author Saul Luckman said the following, Our challenge, which is also a tremendous opportunity, is to open up to a literally life-changing way of thinking ourselves into existence. Our challenge, which is also a tremendous opportunity, is to open up to a literally life-changing way of thinking ourselves into existence. We have a mind, and we use it without thinking, so to speak. Sometimes it uses us. As an example, how many of us have ever been kept awake at night by what was on our mind? Anybody? But thinking ourselves into existence, that seems a little off the track. Unless existence is more than we think of as is. Eckhart Tolle in his book, The Power of Now, says that we are more than our mind. The idea that there is greater and more than our considerable thinking skills is comforting to me. I would not want to live in an existence that is based solely on my mind or my thinking. Rather, I would prefer to have a mind based on my soulness, which I know is greater than I. Still, letting go of the is, in terms of the is of doing, requires setting aside some very comfortable even automatic ways of being, even when we know there is more. We, me, often need convincing. And it can take a while to reach a point of being ready to be convinced. On top of that, if we are willing to be ready and convinced, but unsure about what to be ready for, well, it gets downright confusing. On top of that, if we are willing, this thinking that we try to use to remove all the possibilities goes on and on, leading eventually to everywhere. We can try so much to be the more that we are that we lose sight of everything and everyone around us. We can become the hole in the donut with everything spinning around us in every direction and just out of reach. What is missing in all of this, for me, is purpose. A sense of purpose for the thinking, the seeking, the being, and the doing. That is somehow linked to the greater sense of trusting God and receiving the power of that in ways that give us a purpose. And for me, that can easily be one example of the way the Holy Spirit enters into my life and enters into your life in that process of receiving. And I think that Jesus sums up this morning's readings of Acts and Luke, both written by the same author. Luke has a message for the early followers, and it really wasn't what they were expecting. But first, some housekeeping. I don't know 
how the resurrection or the ascension of the risen Christ occurred. I don't know what it is like to have Jesus appear in enough physical presence to see his outline, let alone to sit and have something to eat at the same table with him. I have not been personally instructed by Jesus about the teachings in the Bible. So right off the bat, I'm at a disadvantage. But the truth is, neither had Luke, Matthew, Mark, or John. None of the evangelists had personally walked with Jesus. All of them were writing decades after his death, and each found themselves in a different setting, writing for different audiences in different situations. And each of them had received the Spirit in every word they spoke about Jesus and the events they described. It has to be said that none of the evangelists were really all that interested in establishing anything close to a historical record. They were more interested in creating a broad and spectacular landscape that enhanced and dramatized many things in order to get to the most people. They were interested in touching minds and hearts in ways they believed the Spirit would then follow up and make the difference up for their limited ability to bring others to Christ and God. In other words, they opened the doors and the windows and let the Spirit in. In our own news-frenzied media world, we have lost much of the art in our daily lives of the allegory and the metaphor that was so present in these early days. Ancient times were all about such things. They understood them. Today, everything is proven or it's not, is accurate or it's not. And if it is neither in the public eye, charges are immediately brought upon the smallest of transgressions. Truth. Well, Luke had a problem with this too. He had to recount the story of the resurrection and the ascension in ways that toned down the expectations that everybody had for the end time. Because the truth was that the second coming of Christ, if it was coming soon as promised, was late and getting later every day. People were waiting. What was he going to tell them? He was also caught up in a growing movement of those who felt that the new Christianity needed to be separated from Judaism, which he rejected, by the way. For him, for me, Christianity does not exist without the tenets of Judaism. And there was resistance, too, from the Jews, faithful Jews who had problems with the resurrection and wanted no part of Jesus the Christ as Messiah, risen, or anything else. And all of this against the backdrop in Rome that continued to persecute this new sect or religion. Acts of the Apostles, this effort of Luke, is thought to be Luke's work to comprehensively clarify these things and more for Theophilus. He was thought to be a convert and a wealthy benefactor of Luke's trying to make the transition to becoming a faithful follower of Jesus. Theophilus was confused. He was trying to get from where he had been to this new faith that Luke was speaking about. And Luke constructed these Acts of the Apostles to be read along with his Gospel to help Theophilus and those who would follow. 
And what he does in his message is a remarkable thing. He redirects it from preparing for the apocalypse to one of being a witness and teaching of what Jesus had done to the ends of the earth. Not to the end of the world, but to the ends of the earth. He changes it from end time to being about witness. He paints the words, the projective vision, not only of the kingdom of God being at hand, but already being here. And the witness to the others is the preparation for what it can be on this earth. That they were directly involved in completing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God on earth. Unlike Paul, who calls for a spiritual life in each individual, Luke sees the Spirit as preparing us for the work of witness, the receiving of the Spirit to do the work, the action of telling others that we know and that we have seen the presence of Jesus and the potential for what His teachings can do in this world in which we live. In Acts, Luke recalls Jesus' last meeting with his disciples in this way that Kerry read for us. When they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is this the time? And I say kingdom because they were looking for that. It was part of the promise of the ancient Judaic tradition, the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. And Jesus doesn't answer that directly, nor does he sidestep it. But instead he says, No. He says, what is going to be is the time is in God's hands. It's God's business. What you'll get is not the answer to that question, but the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you will be able to be my witness in Jerusalem, all of Judea, all of Samaria, and even to the ends of the world. Not the end of the world, but the ends of the world kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. Get going. And he says it in his gospel. Jesus went on to open their understanding of the word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles this way. He said, you can see how it is written that the Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day, and the total life change through the forgiveness of sins that is proclaimed in his name to all nations, starting from here. Proclaimed to all nations, starting from here. From Jerusalem, you're the first to hear and see it. It's not just for you to stand there and wait for the end. It's to proclaim it to all nations. You are the witnesses. What comes next is very important. I'm sending what God promised you God would send. So stay here in this city until the one, the spirit, the paraclete arrives and until you are equipped with the power from on high and then go forth and witness. The Holy Spirit was not sent to prepare them for the end, nor for them to prepare us for the end, but to carry them to the ends of the world as witnesses of all Jesus had done and God's promise to fill them and us with the Spirit then, now, and as we go forward. So let's set aside the dynamics and the specifics of resurrection and ascensions. Let's set aside the idea of the appearances of Jesus and let's accept that we may never know the Bible as it is being described here as being known by the disciples who walked with Jesus. So what are we left with? Really the same things 
those disciples were. We are left with waiting, but in a way that is filled with the Spirit, a way that changes our waiting from inactive to active, from waiting for the second coming of Christ to waiting actively for the witnessing of our faith and practices of the teachings of Jesus in which we believe, waiting for those things we are doing to complete the kingdom of God here on earth. Yes, we are waiting and actively involved in the coming of the new Jerusalem. The disciples, those who knew this, those who followed, returned to Jerusalem bursting with joy. That is the promise made to us. And I still seek that. The joy comes now and then. It bursts through the layers under which I sometimes pack it. It emerges mostly when I stop thinking myself into existence and instead turn toward being grateful and humbled for the love and forgiveness that God has given to me for the presence of God that I have known in my life, for the quiet conversations I continue to have often with God, with Jesus, with Spirit, for the help that I ask to do God's will, whatever that may be, and for all the times that has gotten me through what I thought I could never get through. And I've seen others do the same. That when somehow all that is present, and I reach out to others with this experience, strength, and hope that I find in God that is for me the good news, I feel differently. I do. I do feel the joy burst or bubble or something through. And I do feel serenity and peace and at one with whatever this God is in this world of ours. And I feel as though I have a purpose, a real purpose. To linger in the vicinity of such eternal grace and power, even for a short while. To share it with others, and to know that no matter what we are with and of God, changes me. It changes the way I behave, the way I think the way I interact with others. And it gives me the power to go anywhere I need to or am called to to proclaim such things. And what I think is that if it can change me, this ornery, never mind, it can change anyone. So I do. I know the promise firsthand. I don't have the apparitions I don't have the one-on-one -on -one personal physical conversations, but I know the promise firsthand. And that is truly joyful news to share. No waiting for the end time here. Rather, here and now is the time to witness all these things in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God that is here now. Amen. Amen.